This just in, U.S. Attorney Jesse Liu has recommended the Department of Justice bring charges against former FBI Deputy Director and current CNN contributor Andrew McCabe for lying to investigators. McCabe appealed Liu's decision to Deputy Attorney General Jeff Rosen, who rejected his plea. Uh, The department rejected your appeal of the United States Attorney's Office's decision in this matter. Any further inquiries should be directed to the U.S. Attorney's Office. Read an email sent to McCabe's legal team by the DOJ. So we will keep our eye on this. I could not be here yesterday, and and thanks very much to Mark uh, and and Alan Sanders the day before. I was actually doing my morning show on Tuesday. Uh, In the last hour, I got a text. My wife had been taken to the ER. She's okay. She... um, just has some sickness and it's affected her breathing and, and her heart rate. Uh, we were we spent all day yesterday between cardiologists and pulmonologists. And um, I, honest to goodness, I think she was outside. She took our son to soccer practice last Wednesday, and that right after that it started. And I think it's just allergies and and got into her lungs. She's got to have scans to rule out a pulmonary embolism and whatnot. But I really think it's this. And I just keep saying, man, will they just give you a steroid pack? But I'm not a doctor, so. Abundance of caution there. In any event, uh, glad to be back with you today. Because I wasn't here yesterday, I did want to spend just a moment on 9-11. I try to every year on 9-11, let people call in and say where they are, where they were that day. I I don't want to do that now. Uh, What I do want to do, though, is just play this uh, from Tom Cotton on the floor of the Senate late yesterday. September 11th is a solemn anniversary. 18 years later... We still remember the toll from that terrible day. Nearly 3,000 Americans lost their lives in the attacks on the Twin Towers, the Pentagon, and United Flight 93. But every American experienced the pain of loss that day. Just as we mourn the innocent lives lost, we also remember the heroism of our first responders who ran toward danger and death to help their fellow Americans. Out of the ashes of that terrible tragedy arose a strength and unity that the whole world came to admire. September 11th altered the course of our nation's history in a blaze of fire and smoke. And for so many Americans, it altered the course of our lives. Our fighting men and women deployed overseas just weeks later and remain in the fight today. So many Americans joined them enlisting to defend our nation. Young kids who witnessed firefighters rush into the burning towers grew up and themselves joined units with old-fashioned names like engine and ladder. A generation of intelligence officers dedicated themselves to preventing another 9-11. And they have, and they still do. And our lives continued to be altered because the consequences of September 11th are still with us. The attacks of 18 years ago continue to claim new victims as first responders and others succumb to injuries and illnesses that trace back to that morning. The Al-Qaeda terrorists who attacked us are bloodied yet undefeated, while the Taliban terrorists who gave them safe haven threatened to regain control in Afghanistan. Most tragic of all, our brave soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines continue to fall in the line of duty in defense of our country. Just last week, Army Sergeant First Class LSA B-52 
Berto Ortiz, was killed on the battlefield in Afghanistan. September 11th is his story, too, a story of valor and sacrifice. So the story of September 11th continues to unfold many years after the fact. May its memory strengthen our resolve to continue fighting the enemies of freedom, and may we never, ever forget. Amen. Um, amen. It, 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 I will get into this a little bit, but it was somewhat unusual on September 11th, of all things, for the president to decide that the big policy that day is going to be to ban vaping. Um, we, we will talk about that. It's just, it's 9-11, I think, should be a day for memorial and for reflection. And that's why I think uh, John Avalon at CNN screwed up in some of his commentary. I want to play for you. Now, I got so busy with Andrew McCabe news out of, out of the gate, I didn't give you the phone number. It is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. If you want to join me, you can always reach out on social media at E.W. Erickson. Uh, if you like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, whatever, uh, email eric at theresurgent.com. It's E-R-I-C-K. Um, I want to play this clip by John Avalon. It, it went viral. A lot of conservatives beating him up for this and in part they're beating him up because uh, of the graphic behind him when he said it uh, that right-wing terrorists have killed more people than islamic terrorists in the united states since 9-11 it comes from the new america foundation which leans left i don't think he should have done it but i want to play his remark in full context for you i don't want to just excerpt it i want you to hear his entire statement so that we can discuss this in the past year alone, we've seen the convictions of a Bronx resident scoping out targets for Hezbollah, two Chicago men and a Wisconsin woman for trying to support ISIS, a former U.S. soldier from California charged with trying to set off a bomb in Long Beach, while a Pittsburgh resident was charged with planning an attack on a church in the name of ISIS. Now, these are just some of the foiled jihadist plots that we know about. But in the past year, we've also been forced to confront a growing threat from another form of violent extremism, white nationalist terrorism. We've seen the deadliest attack targeting Latinos in recent U.S. history to Walmart in El Paso. We've seen an attack on a synagogue near San Diego, which followed the Tree of Life attack in Pittsburgh, the largest massacre of Jewish Americans in our history. These terror suspects echoed white supremacist talk about replacement, hatred towards Jews, immigrants, refugees. And that's not including the would-be attacks we've seen thwarted by law enforcement, like the arrest of an Ohio man who police say threatened a Jewish community center, and the arrest of a Coast Guard officer with a massive weapons cache accused of plotting to kill Democrats and journalists. Here's a startling statistic. Since 9-11, right-wing terrorists have killed more people in the United States than jihadist terrorists. That's according to New America. There are some folks for who, for their own political purposes, would like to keep the focus on only one form of political violence over another. But that would be unwise. Because we don't have the luxury of choosing which threats we face. And there's a case to be made that these threats actually echo each other, as our colleague Jim Shuto and others have argued. They're weaponized versions of tribalism, motivated by fear and finding identity in their hatred of the other. As Max Fisher of the Times wrote, in both, there's the apocalyptic ideology that predicts and promises to hasten a civilizational conflict that will consume the world. To mark the 18th anniversary of 9-11 is to reflect on how we're all the children of 9-11. That attack unleashed destructive forces that we're still wrestling with. But to truly learn the lessons of 9-11 is to resolve not to let hate win or fear define us and that's your reality okay um here here's my problem with this it wasn't appropriate for 9-11 what john evelyn said is not actually wrong 
but it's not appropriate for 9-11. The, the, hey, you think Islamists are bad. What about right-wing white guys? They're, they're worse. That's, that's, you have that conversation today, but yesterday it wasn't appropriate. But there is something to be said in this as well, in that he actually isn't wrong. There is a, a growing body of evidence that there are young, lonely white men who are going on social media and becoming radicalized in the same way that young Muslim men in the Middle East are. They, they don't have actual community, so they go online to find community. They build friendships within very welcoming groups of radicals, and those welcoming groups of radicals, they're doing it intentionally, purposefully, to lure these guys in and, and basically brainwash them and get them to be part of a cult. We're seeing this with jihadists through online activity. We're seeing this with right-wing uh, white nationalist, white supremacist groups. And if you don't like to say right-wing, just, just white nationalist, white supremacist groups. See, here's the problem. You, you know, I've mentioned this before. So it's one of my favorite verses. It's not my favorite, but it's one of my favorite verses of Scripture is, seek the welfare of the city in which you live, and there you'll find your welfare. Seek the welfare of the city in which you're in exile, and there you'll find your welfare. And very few of us are doing that anymore. I'm trying to come up with ways for my kids to get involved in their immediate community. Everyone is so obsessed with Washington these days. Washington is the be-all, end-all. How many of you are directly impacted right now by Washington, D.C.? Where are you listening to me right now? Are, are you stuck on the interstate? Are you waiting for your kid on a, on a, a soccer field or a football field? Are you in line at a school because your kids had detention and you're, you're late in the day getting them? Are you in your home? I guarantee you, your local school board, your local department of transportation, your your local city, your local county, your state government is impacting you more at this very moment than Washington, D.C. I guarantee you, if you're stuck on the interstate, it's the person in front of you who's impacting you and the person in front of that person more than, than Donald Trump is. I mean, there, Donald Trump has not negatively affected any of your lives in a direct way. There are certainly long-term economic issues to, to deal with that Washington affects tax cuts. Washington certainly affects that. Uh, a, a combined effort, but in your day-to-day, daily lives, your local community affects you way more than Washington, D.C., and many of you are fixated on Washington and not your local community. Many of you are fixated uh, not in the city in which you're in exile looking for its welfare, but in Washington, D.C., where you're not going to find welfare because Washington wants to put you on welfare. What about the homeless guy? Many of you passed a homeless person today. Do you know that person's name? Do you know where that person goes when the weather's bad? Do you know where that person eats? Or do you know where the local homeless shelter is, where the local food bank is? Have you helped? Do you have any inclination to help in your local community? I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. I'm, I'm not really practicing what I preach. Uh, I have a hard time because I work too. But I think all of us should apply ourselves better to doing something for our local community instead of fixating on Washington, D.C. Tonight after this is over, I got a group of people coming in to drink my bourbon. Uh, because they sought the welfare of the city in which they were in exile. They, they gave money to Children's Health Care of Atlanta uh, during our telethon, our carathon. Uh, they, they were looking to seek the welfare of their local community and those of their community. And we'll be they'll be coming tonight to, to eat barbecue with me and drink some bourbon with me. 
Um, and I, I got to tell you, this is one of the problems with lonely, isolated young men is they're not seeking the welfare of the city in which they're in exile. They're, they're trying to build a community online because they have no community offline. And when all of us, them, you, me, when we build a com- community online, we find people who look exactly like us and think exactly like us. And so we don't actually have community. We can. Our next door neighbor may be a Democrat. Uh, the person we're friends with on Facebook, I bet you isn't. Unless they're they're a direct kin or you know them some way, uh, what actually happens is you go out and you find people who think exactly like you, who share your values, who share your your um, either faith values or mostly political values online, and you lose the ability to relate to people who don't. You you rarely encounter those people if you're not out in your local community, and because you're not out in lo- your local community, uh, sharing and breaking bread with someone who views politics differently than you but cares about the exact same cause, you have a harder time relating to those people, and you fixate more on Washington, D.C. And that's what's happening with these young men who become radicalized online. They have no offline community, and Avalon was right on that. I don't think he should have done it on 9-11, but I think all of us, myself included, need to do a better job of focusing on our local news and our local politics and our local people in need than just talking about Washington, D.C., where your day-to-day life is not actually impacted as much as you may believe. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you would like to be a part of the program, 870, no, that's the wrong number. That's for the other show. I've been waiting for this moment to come. Normally, I do it on the other show. This number is 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. The other day, I nearly gave out my cell phone number. Yes. You know, doing five hours of radio today can be hard sometimes. Uh, now, it's not nearly as hard as Marion Williamson trying to come to terms with reality. Marion Williamson uh, was on a hot mic uh, talking about things she didn't expect to be heard publicly. Have you heard this audio? It happened just a little while ago. What does it say that Fox News is nicer to me than the lefties are? I'm sorry? It, what does it say that the conservatives are nicer to me? It's a bizarre world, man. It's such a bizarre mm-hmm. world. You know, I'm such a lefty. I mean, I'm a serious lefty. But there's so... I understand why people on the right call them godless. I mean, it's like... I didn't think the left was as mean as the right. They are. Well, I'm, I'm just, just right... Uh, yeah, um, uh, she didn't think the left was as mean as the right, which uh, tells you, I mean, she went into this thinking that the right was mean, uh, and, and she thinks everyone, you know, people are nasty these days. Um, you know, I, I am aware of a person who suggested that the reason my wife got lung cancer was it was the it was the almighty creator trying to cajole me into supporting Donald Trump in 2016. I wish I was making that up. But she actually said this uh that that it was it was to cajole me toward uh reconciling that Donald Trump was God's chosen one or some such nonsense. Uh just nastiness uh from people. The the, the number of people on the left I know who have cheered on uh, my wife's and my health problems over the last couple of years, that, that it was uh, good riddance, we should die. Uh, having people show up at my house, having people yell at my kids. Uh, there is a lot of nastiness in the world. And it, it, it's it's striking to me that I have seen it from both sides. And it is only now that Marion Williamson, outside of her bubble, is seeing it uh, from from her own side. 
which I have found to be, particularly as they embrace secularism as religion, to be um, far worse than than a lot of what comes from your typical uh, right of center political activist. Now, speaking of of secularism as religion, I, I got to go on and do this. This is this is kid appropriate. It's just going to hurt your head. Uh, in fact, uh, l- let me let me give you this admonition. If you're in the car driving, please keep your hands on the steering wheel. If you are not in a car or anywhere where you can use your hands off a steering wheel or something, you need to press the left palm of your hand into your left temple and the right palm of your hand into your right temple because otherwise your head is going to explode with what you are about to hear. Your head is going to explode. I, I, I don't even want to use, you may have heard this already. I, I'm not even going to tell you what it is. Just understand your warning. If your head explodes, you cannot sue me because I've warned you that your head is going to explode when you hear this. What we wanted to do was to take the opportunity to raise the whole conversation with guests who come through to the aquarium just to raise that exact point, mm. um, that there is a difference between gender and sex. Um, and in terms of the way that we manage the colony at the aquarium, we wouldn't manage them differently based on whether they are females or males. Um, what we wanted to do with this chick was give guests an opportunity to meet that individual and, and learn about its personality without assigning it any sort of preconceived sort of gender roles like we would if we were to. So, so, so when you say that it is common for, for Gen 2 penguin chicks to, to, to be genderless, what, what exactly do you mean by that? Are you saying that there are no kind of sex-specific or gender-specific uh, behaviours in Gen 2 penguins? It's a really sort of difficult subject to navigate specifically. You will get small differences in terms of um, um, behaviour based on whether they are male or female. Um, I mean, it's not like boy penguins are playing football and girl penguins are doing the knitting or yeah, something like that. Yeah, because it's interesting when you say exactly. assign gender roles. What yeah. gender roles can you assign to a penguin? Exactly, and I think that's that's the key thing. You don't really see it in the animal kingdom. Um, there is a little bit of um, conversation going on at the moment in terms of whether we might be seeing gender roles in some um, higher primates, um, much like we're often compared to other higher primates because we're so similar. But with penguins, there's a there's a difference between sex differences and with gender roles. Um, penguins would have to have some sort of society where other penguins were potentially putting pressure on little baby penguins um, that they should be more masculine or more feminine and, and things like that. So what we wanted to do was um, give guests that opportunity to not be putting those assumptions onto a little Gen Su chick. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know about y'all, but when I go to the zoo, I don't say, oh, look, it's the boy penguin or the girl. When I go to the Georgia Aquarium and the little penguins are swimming around following you as you walk past, I don't think, oh, well, that's a stalker because it's a boy penguin or, oh, that little girl penguin's upset. What the heck is this? If you're not following along because you're totally confused at what you just heard, the London Zoo has decided to raise its newest penguins as genderless animals. Yes, genderless animals. I, who cares? I mean, what 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 we need to know is, you know, the boy penguin's not going to lay the egg. Now, there's something else you need to know about this penguin chick and why it's really in the news. 
what you need to understand about this genderless penguin is that its parents are gay. No, I'm not making that up either. It's a gay penguin couple raising the genderless penguin chick. Now, how can there be gay penguins? Well, there aren't, actually. There, there, there aren't gay penguins. Uh, but the left is emotionally invested in the idea that uh, homosexuality rears its head everywhere naturally in nature. And so there are two penguin dudes who hang out all the time. Uh, that they, they are uh, they don't have relationships with the female penguins. They're with each other. And um, they don't actually do what uh, male and females can do together. They, they don't do any of that. Uh, but they've decided at the zoo that this is a gay couple. I mean, it could be they think every day is, is Saturday and Saturdays are for the boys, from what I'm told on Instagram. Um, but they, yeah, it's, it's these two dude penguins uh, taking care of the shit. Now, you should know that it is very common within uh, penguin uh, communities that the male penguins do care for the chicks and it is the uh, female penguins who go off hunting. Um, uh, yeah. Um, and so we're supposed to say that these two male penguins doing what is very typical of penguins from Antarctica to your local zoo, that they're somehow a gay couple. In fact, the New York Zoo at one point supposedly had a gay penguin couple, and they tried to hatch a rock, which sounds like they were actually crazy penguins, not gay penguins, but they tried to hatch a rock. You know, it's also very, very common for the male penguins to, in a in uh, penguin groups, I don't know what you call them, a, a, a murder of penguins, a, 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 a fabulous penguin tribe um, that somehow or another that it's very common uh, among the, the fabulous penguins that they actually let the men hatch the eggs. Uh, this this is crazy. This is left-wing nonsense in zoology. It shows you how pervasive a left-wing mental derangement is delving into even trying to get into science. There are not genderless animals. There are male and female animals. I don't know of a single person on the planet. Maybe maybe your kid wants to go see the girl tiger and the boy tiger. Uh, my kids just want to go see the tiger. I, I, I have no idea. This is genuine, insane madness, and it is mainstreaming. Absolutely silly nonsense. But there you have it, folks. Genderless penguin chick raised by a gay penguin couple at the London Zoo. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News. In an hour and 20 minutes, I'm going to be drinking bourbon and eating barbecue with people who donated to Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. You should donate next year. You have an hour to think about that. We'll be walking through the Jefferson's line of bourbon. We've got all sorts of bourbon from Jefferson's tonight. Now, we need to discuss vaping I, I personally think that uh, vaping should be banned because people who vape look like butt clowns. I mean, th this this steam coming in, they look like Wiley Coyote angry with steam coming out of them. It's just, it's silly nonsense. Well, the president and the FDA have decided to ban vaping. We should all actually be rather disturbed by this, that the government, through executive order of the president, can wipe out an entire industry. Uh, no president should have that power, Republican or Democrat. Nobody should be able to, even if you look like a, a butt clown by doing it. Um, I, I mean, honestly, 
grown people walking down the street sucking on a USB stick and blowing steam out of their their mouth. It just looks silly. It looks silly. Or or you got the ones that look like the little lightsaber thing. No, it just it, no. No, kids if you've been vaping now that the president's decided to ban them, there is something you can fall back on. It is really legal in all 50 states, and you don't look like a butt clown doing it. Uh, in fact, some people argue you look sophisticated, which is the problem. It's called a cigarette. It is perfectly legal. Uh, you use a cigarette, and you don't look like your ridiculous person walking down the street pretending to be a dragon blowing steam out of your mouth. They've been they've had cigarettes around for a very long time. It is old school technology. All you need is a match. That's it. Uh, all you need is a match. And and you too can have a cigarette. It's just it's ridiculous. By the way, this reminds me. Uh, I just got an email. Hi, Eric. All you need to know is that it's spelled H-I-G-H. Uh, Hall of Flowers is just around the corner, and Autumn Brands is thrilled to attend for the third time this year. Hall of Flowers is no doubt one of the most unique expos to attend. It is a, a trade show for licensed cultivators of top-quality cannabis. United by the vision of two families— uh, and Autumn Brands is 50% women-owned. The company's committed to cultivating the best pesticide-free, sun-grown, indoor cannabis flower Mother Nature can provide. In fact, they have vape cartridges that are 80% THC and 100% extracted from estate-grown, pesticide-free plants using genuine C-cell hardware for reliability with a ceramic white... What the heck? I have no idea. But I'm being invited to a pot trade show for marijuana, for vaping. You know, the reality is the reason the president wants to do this, this is such an overreaction. Six people have bought um, marijuana vape cartridges on the black market, and they've gotten sick and died. Six. Six nationwide. Uh, they were black market. They, they were bought, who knows, Instagram vendors something. I don't know. And they, they bought them, and they wound up dying. Six of them. And so they're going to wipe out an entire industry, including tobacco, the, the whole jewel nonsense, all because of six people. Clearly, the FDA has wanted to do this for a while. All of us should be deeply troubled by the ability of the government to wipe out an entire industry without Congress passing a law. That's deeply, deeply, deeply troubling. Uh, some sound bites on this, including an awkward moment from the president. You know, if I go to this this thing, this this hall of flowers, that I get a grab bag of of marijuana uh maybe i should auction off somebody can pretend to be me they'll be too baked to know it's not me and you can go get your free good lord the things i get invited to these days okay we we gotta we gotta we gotta play some audio here um this is the president with a, a little bit of an awkward moment about the first lady uh, vaping has become a very big business as i understand it like a giant business in a very short period of time but we can't allow people to get sick and we can't have our youth be so affected. And I'm hearing it. And that's how the first lady got involved. And she's got a son together that is a, a beautiful young man. And she feels very, very strongly about it. She's seen it. We're both reading it. A lot of people are reading it. But people are dying with vaping. So we're looking at it very closely. And 
you know, if nothing else, this is a conference that's going to let people know about it, because people are going to watch what we're saying. And parents are going to be a lot tougher with respect to their children. A lot of people think vaping is wonderful, it's great. It's, it's really not wonderful. It's, uh, that's one thing I think we can say definitely, Commissioner. It's not a wonderful thing. It's uh, got big problems. We have to find out the extent of the problem. It's so new. It's so new. But we're going to find out. And I hope that parents that, uh, you know, they have children and the children are a certain age, I hope they're going to be able to uh, make wise decisions, maybe based on what we're saying today. But Yeah. Um, you know what this is a play for? Suburban moms. There are a lot of suburban moms who love that the president wants to ban vaping. I, I know. I wish I was making it up. Nope. A lot of suburban moms, they don't want to tell their kid no vaping. They want the president to do it for them. Here's the FDA commissioner who's been dying to do this. So it'll take uh, several weeks for us to put out the final guidance that would announce all the parameters around the enforcement policy. And then there will likely be about a 30-day delayed effective date, as is customary with FDA's good guidance practices. And at that point... All flavored e-cigarettes other than tobacco flavor would have to be removed from the market. Tobacco flavored uh, e-cigarettes, their their manufacturers would by May 2020 have to file for approval by FDA of their products. The other flavored product manufacturers can at any time also file, but they would be off the market until approved by FDA. The Obama administration had allowed these products to go onto the market in an unregulated way by delaying any enforcement uh, in the hopes that people who are using combustible tobacco would transition to a less harmful form of nicotine delivery through e-cigarettes. But what we've seen is the data just shows the kids are getting access to these products in spite of our best efforts at enforcement, at retail enforcement, at controlling locations, at over 8,000 warning letters to retailers and others, in spite of moving products off shelves. Um, they've been going at it, so we simply have to remove these attractive flavored products from the marketplace until they secure FDA approval if they can. I, uh, if they can. These, these attractive, seriously, people? We need the FDA to do this. Are we going to abdicate all parental responsibility to the federal government? Where Uncle Sam is going to be everybody's daddy? This is stupid. This this is really genuinely stupid. Um, I, I I'm just I, I'm I'm at a loss for who thinks it's a good idea that the federal government should be able to wipe out an entire industry without Congress ever passing a law. If they can do this to this industry, you just wait until Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, and the like get in there and start uh, wielding their executive orders to wipe out industries they don't like. It this, this is this is ridiculous. It is genuinely ridiculous, and they're doing it. They're taking advantage of six deaths without giving you the facts on those deaths, so they can wipe out an industry. And, and listen, I think it looks ridiculous. I would ban it for people looking like idiots doing it, but there's really no power in the Constitution. Why, hello there. How are you? The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Rich and Marietta, welcome. Hey there. How are you? I am fine. Um, your statement that the government should not be involved at all 
might be wrong in this case. I remember back in the 90s when Joe Cool was big with cigarette advertising, and uh-huh. there was a catalog on the counter where the register was, and the kids could pick it up and browse it. Wasn't that was that a legal change, or was it through Congress? Or was it that was. Like a um, it was the lawsuit. One of the things they did in the settlement was they agreed to get rid of Joe Cool. They they, they sent him back to the desert. Well, I, I agree with a ban temporarily until they can figure more stuff out, but not not just a hands down. We're gonna we're done with it. Well, you know, I, I would be concerned with the FDA commissioner saying if they can get approval. Um, I just, it, it's, to me, it seems like a moral panic, though. Carla in Atlanta, welcome. Hi. I'm concerned because I am 57 years old and I smoked cigarettes for 39 years. Mm-hmm. I have weaned myself down to three milligrams of nicotine by vaping. So now I'm not going to be able to continue getting off nicotine because President Trump and his wife, who I have supported up until this point, have issues with it. What happens taking responsibility for your kids and teaching your kids what's right and what's wrong? Hey, Uncle Sam's got to do it now. You're, you're not allowed to, Carla. Whatever Uncle Sam says, we got to do. Yeah, listen. And that's I, what's wrong. I, I, I'm with you here. Um, there are a lot of people who, I, I think it, it looks silly when people are blowing steam out, walking it down the does. sidewalk. But... You're, you've weaned yourself off cigarettes, uh, which were far more harmful, and, and slowly weaning yourself off nicotine through vaping. And I do know people who have taken up vaping for that very reason. And I guess the government see, – I see, I really, I really, 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 really wonder if the, if the tobacco lobby has them do this. Now, I know I think Philip Morris or one of them has bought into Juul or, or own stock. One of them has also gotten into marijuana. Um, but it just I'm wondering, have the tobacco lobbyists gotten the president to do this? They're they're taking advantage of these six deaths to do this. Um, I, I, I listen, I don't smoke. I don't want to smoke. I don't want my kids to smoke. But I don't think Uncle Sam has a business saying uh, you got to stop. It just it's the whole thing. Take responsibility for yourselves, people. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. So this weekend, uh, if you're in the Patriot Guard, those of you who know what the Patriot Guard is, you know, uh, I am interviewing um, Grover Sassman. He is the oldest uh, Harley Davidson owner in the country. Uh, He was in World War II. He uh, was with MacArthur in the Philippines. He was a sergeant and, and uh, marine mechanic of Corsairs in World War II in the in the Pacific Theater. Uh, he just turned 98. We were going to do this on his birthday, actually, but the weather delayed it. Uh, a group is flying a Corsair into Macon to the Middle Georgia Regional Airport on Sunday. Uh, the Patriot Guard and, is invited. I expect a lot of Harley riders. Uh, Grover's asked if you, if you don't know, he is the guy who sold Greg Almond, uh, his motorcycle, um, in which he wrecked. Um, yeah, uh, his Harley dealership has just a very storied, uh, history and he is the oldest still active, uh, Harley dealer owner in the country, uh, and a world war II veteran as looking forward to interviewing him on Sunday and being there with my family. Now, uh, let us, a lot of people still want to talk about the, the, the issue of vaping, uh, David and Locust Grove, you're next. David, you there? Yes. Yes. I'm here, Eric. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Hey, listen, um, my wife, we used to be smokers and, uh, uh, she decided to do vaping and it, it totally messed her up, dude. She she vaped and 
it was a bad news. It was bad news for us. And mm. um, well, I, uh, look, I'm 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 sorry to hear. Um, and I I don't want my kids to smoke or to vape. Uh, but I, you know, David, I I do also know a lot of people who they turn to vaping to wean themselves off of nicotine and and were successful. Exactly, doing and it. that's that's what my wife was doing. She was trying to wean herself off of the nicotine. And uh, she might have gotten her hands on something that wasn't 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 a good thing. So, yeah. well, look, I, I I hate it for you. Uh, thank you for being willing to share. Uh, it's it's you know this, again we're we're talking about chemicals and and so may does the FDA need to regulate them? I just they've been out there for a while and and I just don't know that the government needs to regulate. The stuff. I mean, I if they want to ban it, ban it. But this tinkering, it's like cigarettes. Uh, the government tells you that cigarettes are terrible. Cigarettes will kill you. Cigarettes will cause lung cancer. Well, then ban them. Ban them. Uh, but if you're not going to ban them, um, don't be don't be the ninny state with them. People have to take responsibility. And uh, you know there are sad situations. There are. We shouldn't minimize the sad situations. Um, but we should also be honest about what's going on here. Sean in Locust Grove, you're next. Yes, sir. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to ask you what your thoughts are on how much influence the big tobacco companies have. See, I, I think that's what's going on here. I, I have no now. I know some of the tobacco companies have bought into one of them. I think has bought Jewel. Uh, one of them is is heavily now invested in marijuana. Um, and I, but my my gut reaction when I heard the news was I'm guessing that the tobacco industry see some of these uh, vaping products cutting into their margins and so they're they're out to do something and you know here, here's the thing as well um, you, you've got an industry that uh, particularly at, at most grocery stores and whatnot where these are engaged you're not you're not getting the the black market chemical residue that killed those six people. Now, kids, don't do drugs. Don't do cigarettes. Uh, don't vape. You you shouldn't. Nicotine is addictive. Um, but the government doing this, again, this to me is all about uh, smaller government and conservatism. And I don't know that the government needs to be in the business of wiping out an established industry. This This stuff has been around for a while, by the way. It has been around a while, and only now is the government getting involved because six people died through black market uh, marijuana vaping, not nicotine, not tobacco, not not anything like that, uh, black market marijuana, and what they actually think are it was possibly recycled cartridges that caused the problem, but they don't really know. Um, and so now we're going to do this? Jeez, come on. Russell in Peachtree Corners, you're next. Russell. Uh, hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? All right. Yeah, I was telling the uh, the guy that answered. Um, I've been smoking cigarettes since I was nine years old. Holy cats! Nine? Years, yep, wow. nine. I'm fifty six years old, and I've been vaping for the last four years, completely off of cigarettes. And I'm to a point now where the smell or taste of a cigarette just turns my stomach. Mm -hmm. And you know, if they do away with the flavored vapes, which is what I use, I, I buy them from reputable companies. Plus, my brother-in-law owns three vape shops in Florida. Mm -hmm. And um, if they go to this nothing but nicotine-flavored vape, 
I'm going to have to stop it because it'll just literally make me sick. Good grief. Yeah, see, I mean, there, there are people who are weaning off cigarettes with it. Thanks very much for that. I, yeah, I have no idea. Let's go, Kathy in Danielsville. You are up next. Welcome. Kathy, you there? Hi, Kathy. Hello. Hi there. Sorry. That's all right. Hey. So is what's going on? A... Yes, it is. I am so glad to get you. I am a uh, a listener now for a few years, and I love your program. Thank you, you so much. Guy. Thank you. So what do you think about I this vaping have... stuff? Well, I have a comment. Um, my son uh, was sweet enough. Uh, May was my birthday, and my son for my birthday said, Mom, I want you to quit smoking. So he uh, gave me a vape. He, he knew about vape shops. He was get, getting into one. And he got me the menthol vape because I smoked the uh, Camel menthol mm-hmm. cigarette. Right. And I smoked for uh, not even four months, and I don't vape or smoke. Good for you. And if, if people do it responsibly, anything, if they drink, responsibly if they eat responsibly um it's a good thing you go from smoking to vaping to quitting Mm -hmm. but people abuse it as they do so many products on the market and those are the ones that are killing themselves because instead of smoking responsibly they're just (laughs) inhaling it i see the commercials where they're blowing it out of their nose i never did that yeah i just smoked i just vaped enough to you know, get my little buzz going like a cigarette, and that was it. I'm not mm-hmm. just vaping off the, you know, the chain and trying to get, you know, going right. out of space with it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and, and you were able to wean yourself off of it. Kathy, thanks. I got to, I got to leave it there. But thank you very much for calling in. That I'm hearing lots of these stories, and what are people going to do? A buddy of mine sends me deeply troubling news that social justice yoga is a thing. I'm sure it's something that white people like. Uh, I'm, I'm. Like like Pete Buttigieg. I, I got nothing on that one. Wow. Well, so the Democrats, they're debating tonight in Houston, Texas, and their goal is to lock in the suburbs. I just actually read a very interesting piece uh, in the Cook Political Report that, you know, Democrats are making inroads into the suburban core of the top 20 cities in America. But if you look at the top 100 uh, suburban cores in America— uh, the Democrats lose everything outside the top 20. And why is that? Well, it's because of the black vote, it turns out, that um, in these top 20 cities in America, the suburbs are increasingly becoming majority-minority. And white voters are moving out of the suburbs into exurban areas, uh, which are the one step removed from the suburban core. Uh, think uh, Cherokee County is exurban, Northern Fulton is suburban, and guess what? The Democrats are losing the exurban areas by more than they're gaining in the suburban areas. Uh, so it's not all roses for the Democrats there. It also provides a real inroad for the Republicans uh, to make some gains in 2020. We'll see if they can pull it off.